Hey, Barrett Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. American singer, songwriter, and producer Moonwalker creates all his music from his bedroom. Moonwalker created his persona in the height of the COVID pandemic. He was looking for a way to pass time and make some extra money selling songs to music libraries. Moonwalker says he sold some songs and it was going fine, but then he wrote songs and he was like, I really don't want to give these ones away. Those songs became part of his critically acclaimed debut record, Truth to Power. Thanks to sudden viral success on TikTok and praise from the likes of the darkness Justin Hawkins, the seven-track album quickly established Moonwalker as one of rock's most promising acts. With 25 million streams across all platforms, Moonwalker is set to take the music industry by storm. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Moonwalker. Where do we find you in the world and how are you doing? Um, I'm in Brooklyn right now and I'm doing good. Just getting my day started. Where does the name Moonwalker come from? How did you choose that? Um, my girlfriend at the time actually came up with it and it just like felt right. We were, there was like a couple names that I was torn between and that one was just like, I don't know. As soon as I kind of, I kind of pictured it, I was like not willing to part with it. Yeah, it's actually right. We, the minute you picked, you had the words, you pictured this out of space, out of, you know, this interesting dynamic and uh, picture that comes to mind. So I totally agree with you. I, you grabbed yeah. into a good one there. <laughs> Thank you. What age did you decide, cool, I want to be in the entertainment or music world, and how did that journey progress to where we are today? For Christmas, when I was nine, about to turn 10, so like mm. around this time of the year where it was almost my birthday, um, I went to Vegas with my family, and we went and saw the Beatles' Love Cirque du Soleil show. Okay. And that was the first time I had, I'd always thought guitar was cool, but, but and I'd ask my parents, like, oh, can I get a guitar? And they were like, no, you're going to quit immediately, so we're not going to do that. But then I saw the Beatles love show and that was kind of when I was like, I actually like, have to play guitar. Like I, I need to get a guitar. And so I like bothered my parents until they finally agreed to get me one for my birthday. That's yep. like a month later. So I got the guitar and I got lessons and I just remember taking like my first guitar lesson and like learning, like come together or something like that. Like learning yep. like a, a riff for a song mm. that I was aware of. And it was pretty much just like, I was like, this is all, this is all I want to do. And then I just became like obsessed with playing guitar, like just guitar, come, come home after school, play guitar for like six hours, you know, yep. and that was just all I ever wanted to do. And then, you know, slowly over time, the love of guitar kind of meshed into like a love of sort of songwriting and, and constantly being in like a band and, you know, starting at about maybe sixth grade, I was probably constantly in a band. If one band was breaking up, I was starting a new band. I was still a guitar player and still am a guitar player, but but was more kind of interested in the idea of like creating music from scratch. Yes. And I just did, I couldn't do most of it. So I needed a band for that, you know? And so then that sort of subtly transitioned me for, from a lot of different music genres and a lot of different approaches into a band called The Midnight Club, which is not so dissimilar to moonwalker musically but it operated as a band because i couldn't sing and i couldn't 
produce and I couldn't play bass and I couldn't. So I still needed to kind of have a band in order to get music made. And then as that band was dissolving in, in COVID, just because we were all doing other stuff and we couldn't play live and we yeah. couldn't kind of do, you know, work with producers, do the things that we normally did. Um, that's when I started to do like music for sound libraries and started to do kind of other things and then slowly sort of became comfortable with the idea of making the music like by myself. And that's when Moonwalker started. Why did your parents initially think that you would give up the guitar and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't get it for you when you first asked? And were they surprised that you kept at it? That's a great question. I we I, we I should patch them in. I'm curious why they were so certain. I, I don't think that I necessarily had like they made us all me and all my siblings. They made us play like a hundred sports, and <laughs> I was the first to quit most of the sports. You know what I mean? Like I was like the first to quit soccer and the first like because I just didn't really you know I didn't I liked like football and basketball, but I didn't really like the others. So I would kind of slowly, like, each year I would drop a sport. So maybe they associated me as a quitter because of that. Yes. Maybe I was quitting other stuff, though. I'm not sure. And maybe they were just thinking of themselves. Maybe they were just like, oh, well, if I personally were to start playing guitar, I would definitely quit. So he would for <laughs> sure quit. But then when I started playing, they were definitely surprised. Like, I was pretty immediately obsessed with it, and they were surprised. And... Also, like, their standards, I think, were pretty low. So when I was, like, playing riffs that they recognized, they were like, oh, my God, he's, like, a real guitar player. That's crazy. So they always thought I was way, 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 way better than I was because they don't, I mean, they don't know anything. And then you mentioned that you always put up bands, and then because of COVID, that's forced you to go, you know, carry on with your own project as Moonwalker. Do you believe that if COVID didn't happen, you'd still be part of bands? And you'd still be relying on others to create. And you think COVID benefited you in that way? I know we can't really see futures in different alternate realities, so to speak, like the multiverse yes. Marvel. But <laughs> do you yeah, think? Absolutely. Do you think that it potentially, if COVID didn't happen, you would still be reliant on others? That's a great question. I've thought about that before. I've thought of like particularly just like what. The way I could put it, I guess, is like I was kind of at a point going into COVID where like the abilities that I had singing wise and production wise and bass wise and and all that were where they were when I made my first Moonwalker record. But just kind of like I was just in a different headspace, like I wasn't considering doing those things and I didn't really consider it until it was kind of necessity. Mm. So I wonder if I ever sort of would have like taken the leap of like I'm going to do this. You know, if not for COVID, probably because we all ended up doing solo projects and it was kind of getting there. Like there were issues within the band of like, you know, certain members not wanting to commit themselves as much and me feeling bad because these are my songs and I'm trying to get my songs finished. But other people don't necessarily want to put the time into doing that because they've got their own songs and whatever, and they're not comfortable sharing those with the band. And so like... probably it would have happened one way or another, whether it was me saying, all right, I'm ready to kind of do it myself or whether it was just like that band coming to a slow, painful ending and me being put in the same position where I have no choice but to do this. I think it probably would have gone, ended in the same place, but I don't know when, and I don't know how 
cordially. You know what I mean? Like we're all great friends still. We there yes, was no yeah. hard feelings when we ended. There's a chance that if something didn't come in and kind of force the band to be over, that the ending that we would have met and it eventually would have been not great. You know, because there was like emotional stakes. Like I think that that other people were starting to kind of pull back from the band and I was starting to get really, really, really upset by that. Yes. Because um, in my brain, it was kind of a solo project. Like I was writing all the music and working on all of it by myself on my computer and stuff. And then just when the time came, you know, I'd have the singer sing it and then we would go find a way to record it. So like it felt a little bit like how Moonwalker feels, but I was relying on a lot of people hmm. who are different than me. And that's, yeah. that's totally fine. But so it probably would have got here, but I do think about that sometimes. Like I don't, I, I have no idea. I don't really know. Like if we would have just patched our issues and, and, you know, all gotten more comfortable kind of communicating and stuff, maybe not, maybe, maybe we would still be in that band. Interesting. So you've mentioned there were certain elements that you were reliant on others that you now are doing yourself, like, for example, the production and the singing and stuff like that. I know it was out of necessity, but pre to that time, did you feel that you weren't sort of in inverted commas competent in those areas? That's why you didn't approach them. And how did you become now confident and competent in order to do it? Great questions. You are like picking out the exact kind of pivotal moments. Like for those things, I guess, it's slightly pre me me kind of coming around on those skills is slightly pre covid or or at least pre like moonwalkers formation like for example i going back it was like i needed a lot of kind of out i didn't know bass i didn't know blah blah and then and then coming to about the midnight club which was probably my first proper band at that point then it's like okay i can play bass so i'll do bass on the records and we'll get a uh, session basis or something i'm certain to then and get competent at certain production things. Like I, I became really good at pitch correcting and we, we ended up moving to LA. When I moved to LA, like I would, I would pitch correct for like a TV show or for like some of my French projects and stuff. So I was like good at certain elements of, of production, you know what I mean? Especially like modern production. I would make demos on my computer and, and we would, we would start to notice this trend of like, we'd prefer the demo to the actual song. So we were kind of starting to feel like, how do we kind of remedy that? Do I mm. produce them or do we kind of just like not allow there to be many changes going from the demo yep. to the recorded version? Like what exactly do we do? But I was at no point considering myself a producer. I was just like, these are the demos. I was producing them, but I was considering it the demo and <laughs> we were just going to take it to the finished version. I remember that what, what made me come around on that was I have a friend who's just like one of the, top three biggest mastering engineers in the world you know and mastering is like very kind of scientific there's no taste that goes into mastering there's no opinion or preference okay there's just simply like is the low end at the level that music requires it to be at is okay. the high end at the proper level for for spotify or vinyl for like it's very like objective you know what i mean there's no like eh, in my opinion we can bring the drums up there's <laughs> yeah. like spotify will not allow the song to have drums with these frequencies i need to fix it you know what oh, i mean okay, it's, I understand. Yeah. it's very kind of scientific yes and so i sent him one of my like demos he called me and was like what who produced this like it's way better quality than all your other stuff and again He's not, he could have liked the song too. I don't know, but he was talking like very specifically about yeah, the yeah. sound quality and mm. nothing else. And so that was kind of a big wake up call for me where I was like, well, if we all 
on just an opinion level. We do not know the the technicalities of it, but just like in, in our opinion, if this is better, and then if in kind of your like expertise, it's objectively, oh, sorry, I keep doing that. It's objectively better from like a sound quality perspective, yeah, yeah. then clearly this is kind of what we should do. And so we came to that realization and and made only a couple of Midnight Club songs like that, where I was the producer. And that was the most important realization probably was the was the fact that I could produce. When that happened, maybe it was beginning of COVID and we did a couple Midnight Club songs and then it became Moonwalker. But so that was really pivotal. pivotal. And then sing, I was just always a really bad singer and I always really tried. I really wanted to be a good singer. Like in my brain, there was a good singer. Like in my <laughs> head, I knew how to manipulate my pitch and stuff. Mm. But like my tone, or sorry, I knew how to manipulate my tone. My pitch is worse than just like the average person. Like when the average person kind of sings along in the car, if they've never done vocal lessons, never sang, never done anything, they will sing better than I said. Like I was really, really, I'm not just being humble. Like I was really worse than the average person mm -hmm. at singing. And, you know, it was a lot of years of me trying to sing harmony in my bands and trying to sing, let me try this vocal part. Let me do and just really, I was bad. I was really yeah, bad. Yeah. And it wasn't until... I kind of, I started to do like harmonies. I started to get good at backing vocals. It was just easier to record myself doing backing vocals. So I would do that. So I was getting better. And then I started making music after Midnight Club, but before Moonwalker, I started making music for sound libraries. Yes. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not a singer, but I can sing enough for that. Yeah. And so I started singing and then I literally did one song and I was like, everything about this song is like too good. Song, it was a song called Tear Down the Wall, which is a Moonwalker song. And I was like, this is too good to sell. And also, I like my vocals too much to make it like a Midnight Club song. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. I have to be the singer because my vocals sound good. But I have to keep it because I don't want to sell it. And so that was kind of when I came around on myself as like a singer. But the production oh, okay. one was more important. I think that when I, when I accepted that I could create finished songs on my laptop, that was a pretty big moment for me as a musician. Amazing. Straight into the next question. Uh, great segue. From zero to three to four minutes, creating a song, what motivates it? What invigorates it? Is it easy every time? Your creative brain in creating music. Another great question. I, I guess it really, really depends on the song. Like sometimes it is really easy. Like you kind of pick up a guitar, you have an interesting... But writing kind of feels just like, I don't know, like venturing into like uncharted territory, kind of like if you're like in like a place you've never been and you're kind of wandering this way and you like mm. make a turn, you're like, oh, cool. And you keep going and you make a turn, you're like, oh, cool. Or sometimes you make a turn, you're like, this is stupid. And you turn around and you go try something else. It's, and so sometimes you just pick up a guitar or a piano or whatever you're writing on and you have a cool idea and you're like, oh, cool. What if I do this? Cool. What if I do this? Cool. What about this? Cool. Oh, great. I have I have all the pieces that I need and I just need to kind of arrange it. Sometimes, and sometimes it's like really painstaking to, to, you know, even find the last chord in that phrase. And mm. you spend hours figuring out just the right progression for the verse. And then tomorrow you come back and you try a bunch of courses that don't work. So you're like, well, I'll try again tomorrow. So, you, mm. so sometimes it's really, really hard. And sometimes it, it's really, really easy. One method I used to do a lot that I'm doing again now is writing a lot on just the guitar or piano. Because for a lot of Moonwalkers music, I've made it like on the uh, computer. Mm. So I'll do like a drum loop and then I'll yep. do the bass line and then I'll do a pad and then I'll do 
some, you know, you know, you know, a couple loops and then I'll sing and then I've got a verse and then I'll move on. And um, that's cool. But sometimes my fear with that is that maybe I'm finishing the song, not because it's a great song, but because like, these are fun sounds. These are cool things. You know oh, what I okay. mean? Like, maybe what I'm excited about isn't the song. Yes. Maybe it's like something that doesn't matter as much, you know, like the, mm. the production or something like that. And so I like doing it just kind of like bare bones, just vocals and guitar, because the only reason that I'll be able to keep my excitement in that is if it's like actually if I've got something there. And yeah. so I really like that, but that's not always how I do it. So that's not exactly a fair answer. I guess so. I generally will either write on the guitar or piano mm-hmm. so that I can just kind of hear the song, mm-hmm. the bare bones of the song coming together, or I'll be building it on the computer as I go along. And I would say that in general, the biggest difficulty that I will run into, not that it's a huge difficulty, but the biggest issue that I'll run into is that once I have like a verse and a chorus, it's easy for me to write up till the bridge. And I love bridges. A lot of people don't like bridges. I love bridges. For me, if there's like a guitar solo where there should be a bridge, which is something I do all the time, that feels a little bit like a cop-out to me. Okay. For in, my, in Moonwalker, if I do a guitar solo, it feels almost like I was like, eh, fuck it, just finish the song. I love bridges, so I love writing a new part for a bridge. So for me, that's kind of where I'll have to maybe cut it off for the day. Like, Like I'll do the intro up to the end of the second Mm -hmm. chorus, if it's a traditionally structured song. And then even if it's early and I'm still, and I'm not tired yet and I could still work, that's when I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm too deep right now. Like I'm too into the song. The bridge is too important. I need to call it for the day, get some sleep, come back tomorrow with fresh ears and attack the bridge properly. So that's, I could look at most Moonwalker songs and be like, on the first day of demoing, I got up to the end of the second chorus. And on the second day, I came back and did the bridge. And that's where it became a good song. Okay. You know, that's kind of how most of it feels to me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the songs I'm working on now, pretty much just like messed around on the guitar until I got like something that felt good. And then kind of just kept messing around until vocals, lyrics started falling out. Mm. And then maybe a chorus fell out. And then, but I can feel a little more confident about the songs for the people who are unsure what is a bridge it's also in like in england it's called like the middle eight too so it's it's to make it more confusing it it has a lot of different names you know some people call it like an interlude although an interlude is technically something else the bridge is basically the part of the song that typically comes after the second chorus typically it's going to come in towards the end before yes. the final chorus, although I oftentimes like having a bridge end the song, but usually the, it will come before the final chorus. And usually it's just where something switches. It's where a new melody gets introduced, a new progression gets introduced, okay. a, new, a new part gets introduced. It's usually just like you've got in most contemporary songs, you've got your verse and your chorus. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there's other kind of, you know, instrumental sections. Maybe there's an intro that, that kind of comes back to bridge the parts together or something. But there's usually in, in a lot of songs, a part that is not like the verse, nor is it like the chorus that kind of offers like a little bit of a, a left turn for the song kind of, and, yes, and that yes, can yes. depend. Some people take that left turn part very seriously and they really introduce a part that is insanely different than the rest mm-hmm. of the song. And sometimes it's just kind of like a more 
you know, a, a slightly melodically verified version of like the chorus. Like it's like a, it's like a chorus, mm, but the yeah. singer goes a little higher and changes yeah, the melody. Yeah. So it depends. Sometimes it's just a guitar solo over the chorus progression. Some, you know, but it's usually just this kind of part of the song that yeah. differs from anything else you've heard in the song. And that gets complicated because some songs, the verses are different. Like in yeah. my songs, a lot of the times, Oh my God, the verses are not the same. A lot of the mm. times the chorus is not the same. So like it's, I, it's not, quite as simple as I'm putting it, but usually it's just the first part of the song that takes a complete left turn and only happens once, probably. But that's not the technical, de- I don't know. I wonder no, what the I, technical definition is. No, no, that's, I, I'm, I'm smiling as you're saying it because I'm in my sort of part of my brain that's not, I'm fully with you, but I'm just thinking of songs of, you know, Think of examples. Of songs. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, so that's where that's that's in that song, you know, that's where that's in that song. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I'm well, But it's hard I'm... because, like, then you look at a song like Bohemian Rhapsody or something. Like, what oh, yeah. would the bridge? Yeah. What would that be? You know, like, because there's songs where several things happen only once. There's, yeah, that's I mean, a thing, you know. I was literally thinking of Bohemian Rhapsody before you said that. I was, <laughs> that's there's in the same way. So but... many parts that could be the bridge of that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever write with not? Obviously, as a band, but you ever write with other collaborators? Is it always is it always a solo experience? It's pretty much always a solo experience. Mm-hmm. I do like writing with other people, especially for their project, because oh, I okay. feel like as a writer, I'm kind of good at like two things. One is I'm good at just sort of like letting something like fall out of me, like kind of getting out of my own way and being yes. like, you know, what feels right, which is the way that I like to create for myself. But I am good at being like, okay, what's the goal? I'll and let's do that. You know what I mean? Like if we're yeah. going to write a song that sounds like these two artists, I can go listen to those artists, get to kind of the core of what makes it what it is from a yeah. compositional standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I can do a pretty good job of sort of not replicating it, but, but creating something in that world. And so I really enjoy that as kind of like an exercise. And so I really like doing that. I don't think I would ever do that for Moonwalker because it's just like kind of not the point of this project for me. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the point of this project is to just kind of do whatever feels right. Whereas like, if I'm ever in a position of like, Oh, today I'm going to write like my version of this queen song, or I'm today Mm. I'm going to write, like I want something that's like got like an ELO vibe or something. If I'm ever going to do that, then I don't know. Then it doesn't feel like what Moonwalker is, which okay. feels just kind of like a very like like a diary version of a music project for me, kind of. Absolutely. But I do love writing like that, and so I really like being a collaborator with other people. But in general, the process of making Moonwalker's music is is just incredibly isolated. It's really only me, and so for this next record, I do want to make it like with my band who who tours with me. The songs are going to be written, but then, like, we'll work them out in a live setting. We'll figure yeah. out how to record them the best. My band is incredible. They'll play on the record. Um, Jack, my bassist, is a great producer, so I'll probably pass off a lot of the kind of producer duties to him. Um, so I definitely envision involving them as collaborators. And I'm not opposed to, like, writing with them. Although it would probably be more in kind of the production of the song we'll collaborate in the arrangement and the parts and the stuff like that. I do like collaborating. I don't want to say I wouldn't in Moonwalker, you know. There's some collaborators who are just like really good, you know, mm. and so you can put your skills together and end yeah. up somewhere cool. And there's some who you work really well with. 
you can write a song with them and it can feel like you didn't compromise at all. Like it can feel like you just yeah. wrote that song by yourself, but you yeah. had somebody else there guiding it. I don't currently have a collaborator like that, but that's probably the type of collaborator I would have to find in order to write a Moonwalker song with. So you mentioned the uh, next al the album. So short-term and long-term goals. Yeah, I guess so. Next immediate steps that are happening for sure. I'm going on tour again in March. So as far as like, as far as fitting music into releasing that, I am really adamant about having new music by the time I go on tour. Not necessarily out, like I'm sure it will be, but I, I don't really care. I, for myself, like to be excited to play live, I just need to have some new music that I'm excited about. You know, yeah. like now we haven't really introduced very many new songs recently. And so we've gotten great the set but now it's kind of like you know i like to look at the sales and be like oh i can't wait to play those two songs you know yeah, i can't yeah. wait for it to get there you know and i don't really have that right now like i'm just kind of like oh, okay this well, okay we're doing this one all right cool okay we'll do this one cool there's no like oh i really can't wait for them to hear mm -hmm. this and so for me per like on a personal level i just need there to be new music to yes. play next time i'm on tour and i'd also like to release it and i'm sure that i i'm sure that i will there is Usually, to be honest with you, usually when I release an album, I am about halfway done with the next one. That's not the case this time. I'm okay. not. I've always like make albums. And now I'm like not going to make an album. I'm going to work on songs. I'll be kind of, you know, promoting the songs, posting them on TikTok and stuff like that. And if there's one that people want, I'll rush it, finish it and release it soon. I'm kind of going to take myself a little bit out. Like I'll make an album on the back end. But like there was a time when for the other records, when when the album was done being written and recorded on my end, I'd get drums, then I'd get it mixed, then I'd get it mastered. So like I would get every song all at once. There was no kind of option to like, oh, I'll do this song and see how people think, and then oh, maybe okay. I'll write another saying, yeah. song like it. And then like the the album is done, and then I just need to figure out how to release it. Now I'm gonna, I'll be writing, I'll be involving people more in the process of me writing. If there's a song that really does well on the internet, then I'll just rush it out. No real thought for, oh, but when's the album coming out? Here, that seems to be a slightly more sustainable way, both like financially and everything like that, for sure. And, and in terms of like kind of making a splash with releases, but also maybe just like emotionally so that I'm not kind of like burning myself out. I don't care about the business. Like I'll do what feels right artistically, but from a business perspective, people don't really give a shit about albums. So like from a business perspective, singles are what's going to drive your career. And so it can get a little bit complicated to kind of sync everything I've got into 10 songs and then mm. only be able to really give like three of them the time of day. That can be a bummer. It can drain me emotionally. And I just kind of want to just, just try something else this time. Yeah. Way less structure. Way, and, and there was also like I'd make songs that I would like. And I'd be like, oh, but it doesn't fit on the album. Does it matter, though? I mean, like, so release it and then do the album later. So I don't yeah. know, like, just kind of getting out of my own way. Yes. Yeah. And letting it happen as it will. But but I don't have any definitive release plans because there's mm -hmm. no songs, you know, finished yet. But I definitely am going to make sure that they are at least ready to be played live yeah. by March. And, and I would be really shocked. If at least one of them is not out by then, but um, not sure yet. Anything, anything could happen, as you yeah. said. We could have a, we'd have another pandemic. No, which, no, 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 no. Actually, don't say, don't I'm put that out there. 
Exactly. I just knocked Don't out that, that would actually probably um, speed up my, my productivity <laughs> as it did last time. I love this game. I know if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two hours, 20 years, five years, I know your answer will be different every time because there are millions of them. I'm not saying favorites. I'm saying if you had to push play to five songs by other artists once we've finished this conversation, what would those five songs be and by who? Ooh. Okay, there is one song. I don't I I don't have a favorite movie or a favorite show or a favorite album or a favorite artist or a favorite but I do actually have a favorite song, which is weird. That's usually the one that people cannot choose. My favorite song ever is Dandy in the Underworld by T Rex. I just love that song mm. and so that's one of them that's one of the five for sure mm. but then honestly the other four i could probably also choose ones that would be kind of universal to me lady grinning soul by david bowie always have loved it always will love it we'll do those two we'll do a day in the life that's just unbelievable and then i'll do Ooh, i don't know why this is in my mind right now but i'll do diamond hoo-ha by Supergrass. I don't know why I'm thinking of that, but I do love that song. Mm -hmm. And then, damn, one more. This is where it gets really hard. This could just be as a result of right now, but as a result of right now, I will say Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath by Black Sabbath. So the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the audience, what would you like to say? I'm going on tour in March. I would love to see you there. I've I've got a couple dates on sale today and more dates to be announced, plenty more to be announced. Yeah, other than that, I just released a record called Apocalypticism. Yeah. Come to a show, come listen to the record, basically. Oh, and the, that record will be available on vinyl. So if you like vinyl, just save up, save up for that. <laughs>